right, guys. Thanks for joining today's space. If you've been here before, basically Brett and I just run through various topics that pertain to either MSU football, basketball, mostly recruiting, but team-related stuff as well. Uh, we have Corey Robinson here as well, who I work with at 24-7 Sports. Once he joins as a speaker, you'll hear him as well. But um, yeah, so Brett, you usually do a great job just kind of leading the discussion here. So I don't know if you have anything particular you want to start off with or what's on your mind, but I guess we can go ahead and get it rolling now. We're above uh, 150 people here, so... Yeah, Justin, I appreciate you for letting me join this again. Yeah, I think there's, it's been a while since we've done one of these. So I know just kind of speaking from my perspective, I'm interested to see kind of where uh, recruiting efforts are at, especially with, uh, especially football. Um, I know we're kind of coming out of that dead period where uh, visits weren't allowed and we've had some major players on campus recently. So yeah, I guess I'll just kind of throw it out to you. Where do things stand in terms of, where when because we had a flurry of commits early on a couple months ago um right like i just mentioned we've had a bunch of high profile guys kind of attend campus recently so do you get a sense that we're kind of closing in on getting some more uh commits coming up especially with the spring game right so what's unique about this part of the calendar year it's that official visits are kind of right around the corner they start here pretty soon so a lot of kids right now, they're just kind of waiting for official visits to start so they can really get out and see these schools for multiple days. And that's kind of when they start thinking about committing if they haven't already done so. So kind of as a result, this is a, a time of the calendar year where you won't see a lot of commitments since official visits are so close. Um, up until this stretch here, Michigan State has not had a weekend, um, like a major recruiting weekend that did not yield a commitment soon shortly thereafter so uh, obviously the, this most recent uh, major recruiting weekend just ended two days ago so can't really judge uh, what's going to come from that but Michigan State has a really good streak going here of landing commitments after these big recruiting weekends they put together um, I wouldn't bet on it continuing just because like I said with June and the official visits right around the corner a lot of kids might not want to commit just yet but if they can land some of these guys that had um, on campus this past weekend, Michigan State's offensive line uh, would have uh, a lot of juice going forward. They already have one commitment from Jonathan Slack from Detroit King. He is Michigan State's uh, highest-ranked offensive line commit in three or four years. So uh, three, four-star, uh, or I guess top 400 kids uh, visited campus this past weekend that are offensive linemen. Joe Crocker, Trevor Lauk, Madden Sanker. Um, and then shortly thereafter, Chase Basantis also visited. So just the level of offensive line talent is really the theme for me in terms of where Michigan State um, was kind of recruiting heavily these past few weeks in terms of on-campus visits. So that's really where my head goes. I can't really say whether they're going to commit because, like I said, the official visit's looming. But just the level of offensive line talent that's on campus in March just has been a huge, huge takeaway for me. Corey, what about you? What have you kind of seen come from the recruiting efforts these past few weeks? Yeah, I think i reiterate what you were saying. Uh, offensive line, uh, they, they did a good job getting a lot of their top targets on campus in March and not only getting there, they I think they made a lot of headway with a lot of those guys where – 
you're going to see a lot of them coming back in June for official visits. I think you'll see some of them come back in April even. Uh, but I think in particular, I guess you had uh, Cole Dellinger from Clarkston, four-star offensive lineman. He's been here probably six or seven times at least. Uh, they got him back on. I think he's probably the closest to make a decision. Uh, all of us threw in uh, Michigan State crystal ball picks for him. Uh, I still feel pretty good with that one. Uh, Chase Basantis, uh, that's one that uh, like that, that kid is really legit. I think he's one of the, the more physically ready offensive linemen in the country uh, that I've seen in a, a little while. Uh, sort of kind of like how Keontae Goodwin was physically ready to play as a freshman uh, in that last class cycle. Uh, Chase Basantis is a guy that's physically ready to compete as a true freshman, which uh, Michigan State needs those type of guys. Uh, uh, Akunlalo, uh, he'll he's another guy he could play. He's a five-star. He'll be ready to play as a freshman. And then uh, Sanker, Madden Sanker, the interior lineman out of Georgia. Uh, I think he's a top 100, 200 kid uh, where he's a state champion wrestler a couple times. I think he's uh, hanging it up after this. But, yeah, those those guys are, are just big to have on campus, and Michigan State sits well with all three of those guys, or I guess yeah. all four yeah. of those guys afterwards. Yeah, and a lot of fans remember Keontae Goodwin from the last cycle as kind of being that five-star, that kid that you wondered if that'll be Mel Tucker's first five-star, one of those kids that can start as a freshman right away. And Samson Ukulola, uh, it would be that guy in this year's class. He's a five-star, uh, 18th-ranked kid in the nation, I believe. He's from Massachusetts. Uh, spent a couple days here uh, in Michigan on his own dime. Uh, visited Michigan State and Michigan. Um, I believe he said to um, uh, whoever was interviewing, Brian Doan, I believe, that I was going to be coming to the state of Michigan to look at Michigan State, so I figure might as well stop at Michigan anyway. So it kind of tells you where his priorities were there. He was basically coming to the state just for Michigan State. Um, He's a guy that spoke glowingly of Coach Cap and Mel Tucker afterwards. And uh, from what Corey was hearing the whole time during that visit, that's one of the uh, Michigan State's one of the only schools he has told that he will be kind of officially visiting here in June. So uh, you can kind of take that to be an indicator that his interest in MSU is really serious. And that's going to be, I guess, this year's five star that you watch for. And I guess that you guys kind of ask us about from time to time of how that's going. He's going to be that big fish offensive lineman. But some of those other guys like Madden Sanker and Chase Basantes, they're top 100 kids. They would be Michigan State's highest-ranked commits in four, five, six years. Um, these are these are some of those kind of guys that in the last year or so weren't really coming to Michigan State uh, under the previous regime and probably not in the first uh, year of the Tucker regime. So it's it's been a huge turnaround, and these guys are all coming on their own dime because it's March, and these are still just unofficial visits. So that's how you can really tell how interested these kids are is Right now, they're having to drive up or fly in from far away and spend money on the hotels and all that um, on their own. So that really is an indicator of their interest. Yeah, and I think uh, I would put, like, uh, obviously, uh, any of those three could push for starting time. But I I think uh, Basantis would probably be the most ready just because he plays in a harder division. And he's just physically just a strong, mean kid with a really good feet and technique. He goes 
goes to a high school that has a really good offensive line coach. So he's going to come in prepared. I think uh, uh, Akunla, he's just a freak athlete. Like uh, He's one of the more impressive uh, athletes at the position. And then, uh, like I said, Sanker, too. He's got the technique in his hands playing down in Georgia. But, yeah, any of those three or any pairs of those guys, then you're probably looking at the best offensive line class on paper Michigan State's ever had. Yeah, no doubt. Interesting. So I guess uh, a follow-up to that would be, what does Michigan State have to do in order to close on some of these guys? Because, like Justin mentioned, we all remember kind of the Keontae Goodwin saga where it went up to literally the last second. Um, I know that the players that you just recently mentioned, I'm sure that they they were at practice this weekend where uh, our offensive line coach Cap came out and said, yeah, we're, we're a little thin right now, so... Where is that kind of the biggest recruiting pitch that we have above other schools is that, hey, we don't necessarily have the depth that schools like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State have where guys are going to have to come in and compete with other five stars. I mean, this kind of high level recruiting is something new to Michigan State. So is that kind of the pitch? Yeah, especially at offensive line. uh, Coach Cap and these guys can just essentially say, look, we're an 11 win. New Year's Six Bowl kind of team, but we do not have the offensive line depth of a team of that echelon. So that's kind of a unique combination of being able to sell success, but also a very, very thin offensive line room. I think they're definitely going to be leveraging that in this year's cycle. Uh, Last year, Michigan State had a lot of those fifth-year senior, sixth-year senior. Uh, Some of those guys that just had tons of career starts at Michigan State, even though they were not necessarily the most talented. So you didn't really feel uh, the after effects of the way the previous staff was recruiting offensive linemen at the end of their tenure. But now this year is when you're really going to feel it. Coach Cap doesn't have any of his own kids um, in the program yet that are older than redshirt freshmen this upcoming year. Um, He's going to have that class of Ethan Boyd, Kevin Wigginton, Gino Vandermark. That's his oldest set of guys in the building. And then if you look at the guys that were here from the D'Antonio era, um, they either had a, had a ton of starts and just left this past year, or you're looking at Samek and Duplain, essentially, and then Spencer Brown. So, like, in the two deep, you're not really left with a lot of guys that are going to be fresh uh, in the two deep this year that weren't already there last year. And that's really concerning. I don't know where Michigan State would go if you have, like, uh, an injury to either tackle spot. Um, You're kind of looking at a guy like Ethan Boyd or um, a Brandon Baldwin having to play uh, much earlier than they were supposed to play. And, yeah, so basically to tie back to your original question, that has to be a huge recruiting pitch that, yeah, Michigan State probably has a decent starting lineup this year, but the two deep is not looking good. And uh, some of these guys can come in and, and play pretty quickly. So definitely, definitely a unique combination of Michigan State being able to sell on-field success, but with a very thin, dangerous-looking offensive line room. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, that, that that's interesting to kind of point out because, I mean, I, I try to look at recruiting, obviously, uh, view Michigan State in a very high light, but trying to just take it from a neutral perspective. If I was a kid coming out of high school – Really, the big thing for me would be, do I get along with the coach? And every feedback that we see in your guys' articles is that everyone loves Coach Cap. And then the next thing is, hey, where do I have a chance to play and contribute? So uh, I think it's interesting that you point out that, yeah, Michigan State's going to offer 
really an opportunity. Not, I mean, no one's going to ever be guaranteed a starting job, uh, but the guarantee that you have the opportunity to compete for one is something that I think is going to allow Michigan State to land a couple of these high-profile O-line recruits. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Really excited about where offensive recruiting is going to be able to go here this year and in, in the years uh, coming. Absolutely. So I guess on the flip side here, uh, we kind of had an historic event in Lansing this weekend with uh, Coach Brandon Jordan, where he had his uh, defensive line re- uh, retreat in uh, East Lansing. So what kind of feedback did you get from that in terms of uh both how recruits saw it, because I know we had Andrew DePape on campus. He got to kind of get a glimpse at that. And kind of where the D-line recruiting, where that's kind of heading. So the defensive line recruits uh, were not able to kind of be around that per NCAA rules. Uh, But what it does is, like, you can see social media and, and Coach Jordan is able to put out these montage videos of, uh, the training sessions, uh, like once they're done, or even as the, the three-day retreat was going on. And recruits are kind of seeing that, and they're like, oh, this is the defensive line coach that's recruiting me to Michigan State. And look, he just posted this video of Rashawn Gary and um, Hassan Reddick and all these NFL guys that are training at Michigan State's practice field that I visit. And uh, that kind of right there is the sales pitch, even if they don't get to go ahead and see Jordan directly training these NFL guys. And I think uh, Andrew DePape, it had uh, such an immediate impact on him. And that's why you kind of saw Michigan State come out of nowhere um, earlier in the winter to landing his commitment later in the winter, just because Jordan was hired. And uh, Jordan's going to keep being able to build up his NFL client list. His social media is still going to be showing him uh, putting out content, training NFL uh, all pros and a lot of great veterans. And he's going to be able to kind of leverage that on the recruiting trail. So this weekend was huge for that. It was kind of the first time that these recruits are able to see 30, 40 guys come up to East Lansing and trust this Michigan State position coach to help them get better in the NFL. And I think that's going to go a long way in the recruiting trail this cycle and in future years. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of where the fan base is at as well in terms of kind of look is there's like a rejuvenation of kind of how the fan base looks at recruiting. And I think coach Jordan kind of what he's been able to bring in terms of the excitement. It's something that I, I haven't really seen before. So it's interesting. I'm interested to see kind of how that's going to be playing out in kind of the coming weeks, because I know we're in on so many top defensive line prospects. I mean, we've already landed uh, arguably one of the two or three best DNs in the country with the pape. So I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where that goes next. Um, I know just pointing out, we have like, uh, you know, Etta. I think that's a guy that I would love to see in the green and white. You had um, Jalen Thompson on campus today. And I mean, they're in on so many top guys. It's like, do you think there's going to be somewhat of a, like a waterfall effect where once the next guy commits, that takes a spot off. So guys, if, if they have Michigan say high on the list, do you think they're going to feel not pressure, but that, hey, I I might want to speed my process up a bit if I do want to go to Michigan State. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. And, Corey, I'll let you speak on this as well. But, like, say a guy like Inaueta kind of commits, and then you have two top 150 defensive ends there, and Michigan State might not need to take many more than that. So you'll definitely see 
um, any other defense ends that are interested in Michigan State possibly try to take that third DN spot if Michigan State feels so inclined to take three. And uh, I think that's definitely a realistic scenario where if once one more DN commits, there might be uh, um, a rush to kind of grab that that final DN spot. Corey? Yeah, I think it'll be like that. And then, too, uh, a lot of the top players are watching, you know, who who's going where. And a lot of them want to play together. So then, say, you get uh, an Edda to go with the Pape or a Jalen Thompson to go with the Pape. And then that can create a waterfall effect, too, because then, let's say, Thompson commits, then Edda is like, oh, well, now if I jump in on this, and then you start getting into those Jaden Waynes and the, uh, what's his name down at? Caleb Herring's another one. Uh, Zachariah Keith, he's kind of slides more on the inside of the defensive tackle, but kind of a unit as a whole type of thing. So I think not only do you get pressure as a recruit once you start seeing spaces limit, but if you're getting the right type of guys, which uh, basically are the only guys that they're targeting on the defensive line, then other good defensive linemen notice that and they want to jump on board too and kind of join the party and try to go for that best defensive line class in the country. Yeah, Corey, that, that, that's a really good point. And something I've also thought of is in terms of kind of how the defensive line and offensive line, they're kind of going to mesh together in terms of recruiting is, I mean, if you, let's say you land a, a top hundred player like Madden Sanker, where you're going to get a guy who's going to be a future NFL player, future NFL star, and you land him, do defensive linemen, or even if it flips the other way, but I mean, do defensive linemen look at that and say, hey, we, we've landed this guy on the offensive line. I can go up against him and practice every day, which is going to prepare me to go to the pro. Do you think that that's kind of uh, a potential thought that goes into the decision-making process? Uh, I, th- I think it's a thought that the coaches will definitely uh, make sure if they weren't thinking about it because, I mean, it's that whole iron sharpens iron uh, theory that you go with. So, I mean, if you start seeing – you know, Michigan State's offensive line, uh, Coach Cap starts landing uh, guys like Sanker and Basantis and uh, all of those other guys, then they're going to know they're going to get tested in practice, which is only going to make them better. Or uh, even, I mean, I think the offensive linemen even noticed the effect of Brandon Jordan saying, all right, this guy is making these guys so good and advancing their moves as pass rushers that uh, going up against this is only going to prepare me for the NFL even more, too. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just exciting to kind of think about. I mean, every time I kind of look at the recruiting board, and especially with the O-line and D-line, I mean, that's that's kind of where you win football games. So just being able to see all these, these top kids visit campus or consider visiting campus. I know I saw something yesterday where it looks like uh, Jaden Wayne's going to try to make his way out, too. East Lansing for I think it's an unofficial visit um hopefully sometime next month and I mean that's <laughs> we're, we're that that's a recruit that I mean you're in the top eight with the blue bloods of college football so just kind of begin that conversation and I mean at a certain point like we kind of mentioned earlier going when you're kind of big game hunting with recruiting that's where you need to close on guys and I think that we now have kind of the film that we can show guys of the prior season where you're recruiting off an 11 win season, as well as kind of uh, updates to the coaching staff that are going to allow you to 
not just compete for these guys, but win competitions. So I think that that's, that's kind of what it boils down to for me. And uh, I know that kind of the whole recruiting staff, they've done a tremendous job just kind of building out their board and getting these guys on campus. I mean, that's just uh, kind of what it comes down to. And like you guys have mentioned, it's, it's good that we, we've received some really nice feedback from these guys. So, yeah, I think uh, Michigan State's in a really good position. And, I mean, in terms of looking at where the, where the class could rank up, uh, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect them to be one of the top ten classes for the 23 class. Yeah, Peach, go ahead. Yeah, do we uh, – I was just going to ask, do we know if there's anything special going on for the spring game in terms of, like, recruiting? Um, I think they will have probably one of the biggest visitor lists that we've ever seen for a spring game. Um, and then they will probably just kind of do their usual game day visit thing, show them the locker room, show them how the team gets ready, uh, talk to them afterwards and stuff. I don't think that there's anything in particular that they have planned in terms of like a name or, or any sort of festivities, like maybe like a Spartan dog con type of thing. But I think you're just going to see um, a massive, massive list, and you're going to see a lot of guys here that in previous years might wait until official visits to come step on campus. And I think this time around, you're just going to see uh, just see an impressive ensemble of guys here on campus. Yeah, and I think uh, I'll add another thing that I knew about too is uh, April fifteenth, the the day before the uh, spring game. Michigan State is having another Spartan Dog Day where they're bringing in a ton of former players, which means they're going to be here for the spring game, so you're going to have those guys around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll get to hang out with a lot of the former players and the present players. And then uh, I think there's like some event going on where people are jumping in the Red Cedar too. And I know, I know, uh, I know Riscano is going to be there uh, checking it out. Uh, he, he said he would swing by and shoot some video about it. So Corey, I have this? to, I, Corey, I do have to put a disclaimer out there into the, into the ethos that technically this, the, the, the dive, the plunge is not happening um, due to, uh, I don't know, just a, a whole can of worms talking with the university. Um, yes, disclaimer publicly, the the plunge is not happening this year. We hope to somehow do something similar to that in the future. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, the university couldn't put their name close to that. Yeah, that that's too bad. Maybe you can get some dunk takes or something. Yeah, and so that's honestly, yeah, I've been... I, and I've been checking on with, and I know we're on a bit of a tangent now, but I've been checking in on that. Like, I think the next step here, like, we got to get some kind of tailgating for the spring game, right? Like, I don't know what it looks like. It may be a limited, but if, if you really want that kind of engagement with this kind of team and where we want the team to be and, like, the, the fan engagement, I think you have to open up tailgating. And then maybe, you know, you have people, like, specific areas, you know, where people can go and do all that, tennis courts, whatever, uh, limit it, see how it goes at the start. But I, I think um, 2022, we, we got to get that going. Yeah, I think we can set up a dunk tank and then put Brett in the dunk tank and then we can take <laughs> we can take money from Michigan fans to, to throw a football and get them dunked in there. And I think that would be a, a very successful high-demand operation there. Listen, if you put me in the dunk tank and open it up to fans of that school down the road, uh, I think the new football facility, the budget would go from like sixty million to, I mean, possibly like two hundred million. I mean, those people, 
they they would be lined enough for days to kind of get me get me into the the dunk tank there. But yeah, I mean, if that's what it takes to get us an even better facility, I'm all for it. <laughs> all right, what's uh, what's what's the next topic, Brett? Um, I guess we can pivot for a bit. Um, so obviously spring camp kind of opened up recently, and I mean we've we've seen small glimpses of kind of what's going on with practice and whatnot, and. I think really the first bit I want to start off with, because I personally, to me, I think this is the most interesting part of kind of the roster right now, is what's going on with the quarterback room. Because obviously last year you had the, the two man competition for the starting quarterback, which was uh, Peyton Thorne, then you had Anthony Russo, and this year the room has, I think the talent in the room has just kind of uh, kind of jumped up a level. Obviously you have Peyton Thorne coming back, you have Kaiten Hauser. Uh, you have Hamp Fay who has a year under his belt. So kind of where is that quarterback room at in terms of how the pecking order is going to go? I think there's a uh, presumption that Peyton Thorne is going to be the starter, but if you listen to Coach Tucker and kind of what he, he preaches, everything is going to be a competition. So uh, I'm I'm putting out a disclaimer. I'm not predicting that Peyton Thorne will not be the starter. I'm just pointing out that every position is up for competition. So uh, I'll kind of toss it out to uh, Justin, Corey, yeah. and Peach. I guess. What are your What are your yeah. reads on early quarterback returns? Uh, so, Before we even get into uh, this, I want to preface that like every good, respectable program has this kind of competition. Okay, I don't want people to. to, to if you say Catton's the guy, if you say Peyton's the guy, it's not. It's not yes or no, right or wrong. This is a good problem to have with every single program. So we can continue from there. Yeah, so one thing is definitely true that you said, Brett, is Mel Tucker is not approaching any position as if the starter has already been determined. That's something that he has made clear. He said that there's not a starter chosen at any position. Um, I guess I would kind of say that there are some positions where you kind of know the starter. I'd say Xavier Henderson maybe, um, maybe Simeon Barrow and Zach Slade, but – there's there are positions where you kind of know that somebody is the starter there, but one thing is for sure is the staff is not giving any sort of inclination that they feel that way. It, they are promoting com, com, um, competition to the utmost extent, and the quarterback room is no different. You see uh, Coach Tucker uh, and uh, Coach Johnson talking about how uh, Hamp Fay is 300% better you see them talk about how Kaiten Hauser is just coming in and hitting the ground running. Uh, you see them complimenting Noah Kim. So uh, everyone in that room is kind of doing their best to make up ground on Peyton Thorne. But if people saw my article, I think uh, what what Kaiten Hauser has come in and done, uh, he's a kid that already to begin with was young for his graduating class. Um, he just came in here early enrolled gained 10 to 12 pounds of muscle immediately. He's up to like 6'4", 215 now. Um, I know it even took Peyton Thorne a couple years to kind of get up to that weight. Um, so Kate has kind of came in here and just killed it in every way that you would have wanted to if you're a Michigan State fan that um, has high hopes for him in the future. I can't really say that, oh, I think uh, Peyton Thorne's on the hot seat or anything like that. That would be a little too hot of a take for a kid that kind of just led Michigan State to an 11-win season. But I think you do need to see Peyton Thorne uh, take some steps. Uh, usually you might not say that about a kid that holds the school record for passing touchdowns in a season. But, like, 
you kind of got to look at it at a more microscopic level than that. Um, in games where Kenneth Walker wasn't going off, so um, I guess you can look at the absence uh, in the Pittsburgh game where he didn't play, the Ohio State game where he was hurt. Um, you can look at the Nebraska game. You can look at the Indiana game. Some of these instances where the running game was stalling a bit, um, I don't know if Thorne did a lot where he elevated the team above that and won some games purely with his arm. So I don't think anyone here is above reproach. Everybody has room to get better in that quarterback room, um, including the starter, the presumed starter in Thorne. But like you said, it's, it's everyone here has an open shot at this program to get some playing time. I would be surprised if, barring injury, Thorne doesn't start every game, but people need to kind of adjust their expectations for what these backups are capable of. And Kane Hauser is the guy that I have the utmost confidence in to surprise people. Um, like I said, not making any predictions for this year, but these guys are a little more ready coming into college than they used to be, especially a kid that goes to St. John Bosco. Um, and these are guys that are going to be coming in eager to learn, killing it in the weight room and trying to play as fast as they possibly can. Yeah, I guess I'll add too. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, Thorne will probably be the safe pick to win that. But I, I think it's important too, though, for them to get the backup guys some snaps. So if they're needed, if there's an injury, stuff like that, just so they're prepared. Uh, I think, like Justin said, Hauser is going to make some big moves. He's I've seen some of his throws that he's made. Uh, in the spring ball that, you know, are pro throws already. Uh, Hamp Fay, I uh, have heard people that have been able to be around inside practice and the scrimmage and all that stuff. I guess they were saying they were surprised how good he looked uh, from last year. Uh, he kind of came off a shoulder injury. I don't think he was necessarily completely over it his senior year of high school, and we didn't see anything that much of him freshman year but I guess he's really jumped out of the gate and the ball's coming out really good uh, and he's a great athlete so same with Hauser so you could use utilize them in situations where maybe uh, you run some RPO and get them outside and do some damage on their with their feet too but uh, <laughs> definitely definitely they have options and I think that was the one knock I always had uh, in the D'Antonio era is he never was able to get that uh that next quarterback prepared because they played games so tight and so close all the time. Uh, so I think it's definitely imperative that you get whoever the number two guy is uh, meaningful snaps and let him throw the ball. I know we've talked about Hauser's physical aspect, right? We've seen the weight, the weight, the game he's put in, the time he's put in on the gym. Um, I'd love for you guys, Justin or Corey, uh, Talk a little bit about the mental aspect. Where, where uh, What have you seen from him coming out of high school, that mental edge, that competitive edge? I know Peyton has that, right? I'm curious to see if Hauser has something similar to that that you guys have seen so far. Right. So one indicator that I kind of look at, kind of going back to his performance in the weight room and the 10 to 12 pounds of muscle he's put on is, this is a kid that could have looked at what Peyton Thorne did last year, could have looked at his touchdowns record and been like, okay, this is a guy that is probably going to be the starter this year. I can come in, take my time, get acclimated. But he came in, um, obviously early enrolled and he came in wasting no time. He completely got after it. Um, probably even started killing it before he left for East Lansing soon after his high school season ended. Um, and he's a guy that had every reason to kind of be, 
um, patient with his own development after his senior season ended, knowing that he would have kind of a grace period before he was thrust into the starting role at Michigan State. But the fact that he approached his training and uh, his time in the gym um, in a way where as if the, the job is totally there for the taking just kind of tells you the way he approaches football and the way he approaches his preparation. Um, it's a great indicator of how he kind of mentally views his development. And I think that a guy that really, really comes in as an early enrollee and hits the ground running right away is the guy who really just expedites his timeline to get onto the field. Of course, a lot of that will depend on when Thorne decides to leave. But one thing is for sure is that Kane Hauser is coming for that job if he has anything to say about it. And it won't be one of those scenarios where um, there's no backup that's ready to emerge. And that kind of stalls out the Michigan State program. And then you're kind of waiting for a bridge year. I don't I don't anticipate that happening personally. I think Kane Hauser will be ready um, right when he is called upon, whenever that may be. And I think mentally, uh, that is one of the bigger reasons, not just the, the weight room element. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what everybody wants to hear is that um, the quarterback room is incredibly solid. I mean, we've we've been very fortunate at Michigan State where we really haven't had those gaps, like you mentioned, where we're going. I mean, we went from Hoyer to Cousins to, uh, to Cook to Lewerke, so uh, and then we had a little little buffer zone, but we'll, we'll move past that where we got the thorn. <laughs> but yeah, it's exciting that um, we're we're kind of in a really good position there, and then. Um, I kind of want to jump to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, last year, a lot was made out of our secondary. Um, I think that they showed times when uh, there was a lot, there were glimpses of, hey, this this is a unit that can be pretty good. And then obviously there were, there were some injuries and just really bad matchups. You go against Ohio State, that's just a bad matchup for any secondary. But um, kind of where has where's that unit at right now? I, obviously they've brought in. Uh, a ton of talent, especially you look at uh, Amir Speed, who might end up being uh, corner uh, cornerback one. You've got guys like Dylan Tatum. You got uh, Jaden Mayhem, who's going to be in the secondary there. So, kind of, what's your read on how the secondary is looking early on? I'll um, have Corey weigh in here because he kind of had a post about this on our message board, and him and our colleague Stephen Brooks have kind of been all over this, but. Uh, there's some positional sh- uh, shakeups here that I kind of let Corey talk about in the defensive back room and just his overall thoughts on, on what's happening there. Yeah, um, at cornerback, I think you mentioned Amir Speed, the Georgia transfer. I think he's a, a pretty safe bet to be a starter uh, alongside Ronald Williams, the the Alabama transfer from last year, where he was a guy that got a lot better as he got comfortable with the system. And I thought he got a lot better when uh, towards the end of the season when Mel Tucker kind of took over coaching the cornerbacks because he wasn't happy with uh, what the, they were doing with uh, Travaris Tillman. So he kind of took that over. And I thought – I was talking to Justin about that privately the other day that uh, Michigan State's corners actually got better as the year went on and it was the safeties that kind of struggled – uh, late in it after the corners kind of got going, but the corners had that rough start early. Uh, I think Marquis Lowry, that's another cornerback. Uh, I think he's right in that conversation uh, with Williams and Speed. So I think you'll see those three guys a lot. Uh, Chuck Brantley showed moments as a freshman, but he had the shoulder surgery. So 
he's kind of rehabbing for that. So once he's healthy, I think you can uh, pencil him in. And then uh, another corner, freshman corner, Caleb Coley out of Georgia. I think that's a kid that's got as much talent as any uh, cornerback Mission State's brought in in a while. So you got four or five guys there at safety. It's a, it's a little bit uh, trickier. Obviously, Xavier Henderson at strong safety that you can pretty much write that down in Sharpie. Uh, and then at free safety, uh, I think Angelo Gross is probably leading there. They actually brought him up to the, the nickel box for a little while at the beginning of spring, but they moved him back to that free safety spot. So maybe you put him there, but I think there, that's not a done deal that he's going to win that job. I think he he's going to have to get pushed by someone. And then uh, the box safety nickelback, I think you'll see Chester Kimbrough, who played corner last year. He kind of struggled with size, big receivers a little bit. So they're going to move him inside closer to the line, kind of get him on those uh, little smaller slot receivers. I think that's a, a much better spot for him. So I don't know. I think last year, obviously, the the pass defense wasn't where it needed to be. There's no way of getting around that. But I, I think the talent wasn't as far off. I think there's a lot of a lot of uh question marks with the the coaching and the fundamentals that uh Travaris Tillman was uh teaching at corner and that's why you don't see him here this year. Uh so I'm I'm definitely excited to see what changes they make and the impact Mel Tucker being uh the cornerback's coach will have on the thing because when he first mentioned doing that, I didn't know how, like, would he just ceremonially be over in the corner room every now and then? But he's, like, grabbed onto that, and he is the cornerback coach, just like uh, a cornerback coach would. He's always there and running that. So I think that gives uh, the secondary a big boost in itself, having one of the, the better teachers back there with him. Yeah, I think I agree with what Corey was saying about if you watched last year, the corners really struggled uh, early on in the season. They kind of start started to get better towards the end of the year. Um, but then <clears throat> Charles Brantley got hurt and Marquis Lowry got hurt. But the ones that remained healthy, which was very few of them, they did get better. Ronald, Ronald Williams got better. Um, so what you're going to kind of notice is probably that cornerback um, talent continue to get developed and get better. Um, and then actually kind of what happened at the end of last year, the safety room, though, to be fair, is uh, Xavier Henderson was playing uh, very injured, very banged up, and then I think gross a little bit, too. And then when you go ahead and you look at that Ohio State game where Lowry's out there limping, Brantley's out, both safeties are limping, and you're going against Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and these guys, that was just what was going to happen there. And you kind of saw the onset of that thin room, that injured room. Uh, in the Purdue game. But, yeah, so I kind of agree with this trend there of cornerbacks getting better, and now you're going to get all those guys back and healthy. I think Brantley is still in a non-contact jersey, but he'll be ready by fall camp, I would guess. So you're going to have a lot of corners that you would assume continue that upward trajectory, especially now that Coach Tucker is the one coaching them. Um, And then the safety room, they'll be healthier at the very least, so they can't be any worse than last year. But, yeah, like Corey said, free safety uh, would like to see maybe some competition there. But, yeah, DB room as a whole should be much improved. 
linebackers, uh, obviously the the two pickups, Aaron Brule and Jacoby Winman, those guys are going to be really, really crucial assets. I know uh, Corey and Steven, when they went to practice, one of the things they mentioned were that um, Jacoby Winman definitely looks the part of one of these next level linebackers that wins you a lot of these games. Um, then Darius Snow kind of got moved to that position. So a lot of options there. Cal Halliday coming back. There's just uh, not many position groups that you can feel better about than Michigan State's linebacker unit right now. I think uh, we all agree that they could be one of the better linebacker rooms in the Big Ten. Inside uh, of the defensive line, the defensive tackles are probably just as deep. You have Slade, Barrow, Jalen Hunt, if he can stay healthy, uh, Maverick Hansen, Derek Harmon. Uh, you can just keep going down the list. Alex Van Sumeren, just a lot of depth and talent there. Defensive end is going to be the question mark because you have a lot of guys you're intrigued with. You have a lot of guys that have potential, um, but not a lot of actual on-field production yet just because you didn't really need it because Jacob Panashuk and Drew Beasley were there. But So there's a lot of unknowns there, but there's also a lot of promising potential there. And uh, if anyone can get it out of them, it would be uh, Coach Jordan and uh, Marco Coleman working alongside them. So uh, I think you'll kind of maybe meet in the middle there. Of It's going to be unproven guys, but you have really good coaching. So I think it'll be adequate play there this year and uh, definitely getting better as those guys like Tank Brown and Jeff P and these young guys start to get developed a little more down the road. So Overall defense, uh, feeling pretty good about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think uh, Jeff Petrowski, uh he's one of those guys that he's just a safe bet that he's going to have a good year. Uh, he's too good of a football player not to. Uh, not a guy that Mel Tucker would have ever recruited, but he's not dumb. He's going to use who's here, and that kid is just an excellent football player who just lives the game. So you're going to see him soaking up every ounce of uh, information or technique that Brandon Jordan or Marco Coleman teach him. So you're going to see his game go to a whole nother level. I thought he got quite a bit of snaps last year and was pretty productive, but I think you're going to see a big jump up with him and he'll be a lot like Marcus Rush, I think, for some of the older people here that kind of remember the, the Rose Bowl team and the uh, Cotton Bowl, college football playoff teams. He's just a, a reliable player, and then it's just a matter of what can they get out of the high upside guys, and then do they make some packages where they take Jacoby Winman and put him down as a stand-up red, edge rusher, which he had did at UNLV early in his career, so that'd be a natural transition to him just to get get some pass rush, but I think, they'll, like Justin said, they'll have to get a little creative at defensive end but I think they're going to be so strong up the middle at defensive tackle and linebacker that uh, it'll help offset some of that. Yeah, and, and I think that'll also help the young offensive line because, like I said, I'm really worried about the offensive tackle position. Uh, Michigan State is going to need some recruits to come in um, and, and fill the void there. But in the meantime, with them working with who they have at tackle, um, if you have a defensive ends coach like Brandon Jordan – training up guys to go up against this offensive tackle group um, in exotic uh, ways with all these uh, skills that he's teaching, um, using your hands, and just all the pass rushing techniques he knows. It'll help accelerate some of those tackles' development. 
Um, and, and like I said, Michigan State could really use uh, some guys that can emerge uh, in that offensive tackle group. I don't need to go over uh, my feelings there of how thin that room is, but I think what you'll see there is uh, one of those iron sharpening iron things like Corey mentioned where good defensive end coaching can maybe also help give the offensive tackle some new looks, some development, and hopefully you can uh, find some guys to emerge there because uh, they need it. Yeah, and Justin, you just mentioned uh, – sorry, Corey, but um, Justin, you just mentioned kind of we're going to need some recruits there, and I see that we got uh, – Joe Crocker, who's recently in East Lansing, uh, he's in the space right now. He, he plays offensive tackle. So um, you get someone like him on campus, I think he would, he'd be able to start right away and really uh, not only solidify kind of the offensive line room and position, but also he's going to help kind of help uh, out with these defensive ends as well. I mean, if you're you're a lead offensive tackle like him, you're going against guys like Chris Bogle in practice. I mean, that's just going to kind of improve both guys. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to kind of see, Corey mentioned it, that we have a lot of kind of options at defensive end. It's do we have a guy where you kind of have that at defensive tackle three, four, five times over. Um, but I think that there's going to be someone who kind of steps up. I don't want to say they come out of nowhere just because we have a general idea who's going to be playing at that position. Uh, we're kind of Cal Halliday. He kind of was a late riser in terms of uh, coming to the attention of fans. But I think that that position, it, it's going to be something that everyone's watching, especially with Coach Jordan. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of keep monitoring that. Right. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And you kind of heard today in the press conference, like Coach Tucker was saying, like uh, we only have seven offensive linemen that are able to practice today. And I know part of that is because of the injuries, but um, it also kind of speaks to just the numbers they have in that room. And uh, if you have seven guys, even though you have a few injuries granted, um, I think that, like you said, it definitely is a recruiting pitch to some of these offensive linemen that there's room, there's need, um, and there's desire for them to come in and uh, compete for a chance to play as soon as possible. So you're you're spot on there with your assessment of uh, the weaknesses of this team and how they kind of translate to possible recruiting pitches for sure. Yeah, so – that, that's kind of what I have for football. I do want to ask you guys about basketball. Um, obviously, our season came to a very disappointing end the other weekend. Um, but since that time, I think really the, the biggest development, something that's really been exciting for myself as, as well as other fans, is that uh, Justin, you put out an article kind of uh, letting everyone know that Coach Izzo, he's going yep. to be attacking the portal. Uh, we have, we're going to have quite a few, we're going to have a, a small number of open slots so that we can use, uh, whether we use them all, uh, probably not just because you always want to have kind of a leeway with scholarships, but kind of what's your early returns on that? Obviously we've, we found out yesterday that we've had an in-home visit with Jalen Bridges. His girlfriend yep. posted a picture with coach Izzo. So, and he's going to be making a visit to uh, East Lansing in the coming week. So yep. I guess I'll kind of toss it to you yeah. to update everyone. So essentially, uh, I kind of heard right before the season ended that Michigan State knew, uh, basically what everybody else knew, that they're going to need to hit the portal to kind of fill some needs this year. Um, So they not only decided that they needed to do that, but they also got after it before the season even ended because Jalen Bridges is a guy they reached out to before the Davidson game even happened. So that was kind of promising if you're someone that's um, concerned about how enthusiastic the staff is about the portal, as you saw them 
uh, going after uh, somebody at the forward position before the season even ended. Um, that's Jalen Bridges. And then uh, center, that's the position I heard that they know is their number one priority. The reason you haven't heard of them being linked to any center, centers is because uh, coming into today, there was really only one center that was worth going after, in my opinion, uh, that's in the portal so far. And he has over 40 schools already contacting him. And he's also kind of leaning towards um, staying in the NBA draft. So you don't want to end up in a position where you land this kid and then he doesn't even come to college, uh, come back to college, and then you don't have a center. So I can understand them not getting involved uh, with that center from Utah Valley. Uh, but other than that, once more and more centers start entering the portal, you'll start to see them linked to some more of those guys. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, Jalen Bridges, it's a guy they got after right away. It's a guy that is expected to visit here in the next few weeks. Um, I talked to his dad a little bit. He said their interest in Michigan State is legit, but they're going to take their time. Uh, they don't want to rush into this next decision here. I think that bodes well for Michigan State uh, because obviously you don't want a kid to be in a rush to make his decision, and Michigan State isn't one of the first two visits he's taking. So um, that, that's good to see that they're going to kind of be thorough and do their due diligence here. And I think my prediction for how they're going to end up using the spots um, and when I say prediction, I do actually mean prediction. This is not me trying to uh, kind of reveal inside information as a prediction. This is literally just me speculating. Um, I think they're going to end up having two uh, of their three spots filled via the portal. They'll probably bank one, and I would probably expect them to land a forward and a center um, and then just carry one scholarship uh, like they did last year. But this time it wouldn't be – um, due to um, them not landing multiple guys from the portal. I think they'll land two. It just banks the third one. Um, again, that's just my speculation there. Yeah, and I think potentially Tom, the, third, the third one could potentially be Joey Hauser too, correct? Yes, it could be, but I'm still hearing that um, he's not going to return. But uh, a little more, I guess, promising news is uh, he he's thinking about possibly going the pro route if he does indeed leave. So um, I know some of these guys that don't have uh, massive success in college, uh, some of these guys kind of just uh, go into their corporate lives with their degrees, but we might get to see Joey at least uh, try to pursue uh, some opportunities in basketball um, and try to get the most out of uh, this late surge he had. Uh, he's shooting pretty well here at the end, looking like he's enjoying the game. So if he does indeed decide to go pro, like uh, it seems like he's leaning, um, he'll actually at least try to give basketball a shot, I think it sounds like. Uh, so that's great to hear if you're a Spartan fan kind of pulling for Joey. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the end of his career here, I think, kind of is – one of the great what ifs just because he was so good down the stretch, especially in that Davidson game where, I mean, I, he missed maybe one shot. He was like eight and nine from the floor and made all his free throws. So um, yeah, it, it it's good to hear that he's going to try potentially to uh, continue his playing career. And Hey, if he keeps that momentum going of kind of where he was at at the end of the year, he has a chance to have a pretty successful career plan, whether it's overseas or in a, kind of a G League atmosphere. So, um, yeah, and it's exciting that Gabe and Marcus are also going to be playing in some games coming up, showcasing their skills and abilities. And uh, kind of looking at, Justin, what you said in terms of the two spots they're going to potentially try to use to get portal acquisitions forward and center. I mean, if you're looking at kind of the composition of the roster next year, 
if you're able to get a Jalen Bridges in that uh, starting caliber center, uh, I think this team is really set up to be very, very good next year just because the guard play is going to be outstanding. And uh, I think you're just going to have kind of that the mix of uh, old players, young players, uh, and as well as transfers that are going to allow you to really kind of take advantage of uh, a Big Ten that, let's, let's face it, wasn't all that great this year. But and I don't really see that juggernaut coming in next year. So uh, MSU is going to have a chance to kind of take back their, their crown there. Yeah, you make a good point about a lot of talent leaving the Big Ten. Um, I kind of forgot who tweeted it, but somebody did a great job making a, a chart of how many people from the Big Ten first team, second team, third team, and honorable mentions are leaving. And you're looking at a strong majority, I want to say 75 to 80% of Big Ten first and second team guys leaving. You're looking at some of those uh, long-time, like, seventh, eighth-year, ninth-year guys like Brad Davidson finally leaving from that honorable mention list. So a lot of talent clearing up out of the Big Ten here soon. Um, and then as a result of that, Michigan State hopefully landing a center or forward uh, in the portal combined with um, the backcourt that I know most of us are very optimistic about, myself included. Um, and you kind of see those two uh, elements coming together, and I think Michigan State could have a very solid season next year, no doubt. Yeah, I think I think the program's in a good spot. Um, uh, just to kind of tie up what the the basketball portion of this was, I mean, it everyone like if Tom Izzo, if Coach Izzo, he's willing and he's going to attack the portal, like it seems like he is right now. I think that, that enhances his championship window. Um, where, I mean, let's face it, you're going to need to go out and get a guy in the portal almost every year. That's just kind of the nature of what the current state of college affairs is. And if he's able to kind of uh, take a, a cue from Coach Tucker and do that, I think that this team's, I mean, the program's in a really good spot with recruiting. I know Xavier Booker's kind of like the new yep. main target, and it seems like Michigan State stands in a really good spot with him, especially with coaches so going yeah. to visit his game the other week and it seems like the the team that we are really competing with indiana obviously coach fife he got he got canned uh mike woodson wasn't even at his recent uh playoff game uh for xavier booker so it seems like msu stands in a really good spot there and for people who are listening who might not be familiar with xavier booker he's 2023 uh center he's about 6'10 he stretches the floor plays great defense he's he's a star so um i'll yeah. let Corey and Justin yeah. kind of speak more upon that. Yeah, Xavier Booker, like like you mentioned, uh, is and uh, the staff were there for a state title game. Um, Coach Montgomery, uh, one of the assistants, he was there. Doug Wojcik, he was there. Um, so they kind of sent uh, three guys there to watch Xavier play for the state title game. And uh, you make a good point. Indiana did not even uh, have their head coach present for an Indiana state title game. That, um, to me, I, I don't closely follow Indiana hoops, but it seems very shocking to me that the in-state head coach doesn't go to the state title game. Um, and, yeah, I, I think their fans were kind of up in arms about that. Um, and I think uh, that's that's a school that has not done themselves any favors in Xavier's recruitment, but Ohio State and Purdue um, are a couple other schools that are also um, in the thick of things there. So. I don't think Michigan State is running away with the recruitment just yet, but what Michigan State has done 
is uh, shown Xavier as much as any other school, if not more, that they want his services. And obviously there is a need at Michigan State at center. Uh, Jackson Kohler isn't a true rim protector. He's uh, a better scorer than most of the big men out there, but he's not somebody that's going to lock down the paint. So I would not consider him and Xavier Booker to kind of have the same roles. Um, If you're looking at somebody of Xavier uh, Booker's role, they didn't really have one in the last couple cycles. Um, I guess Mati Sizoko is the last true center they landed, but I'm not entirely sure if he would uh, possess much of a threat right now to Xavier Booker's playing time down the road. So just all in all, Booker is a guy, Booker's a guy that has a role here from the time he steps on campus. A little raw, I think he'll need to gain some weight, but kid has all the potential in the world. He's a stretch five, basically. He can score from the perimeter um, on defense. He can lock down the paint, blocks a lot of shots. And, uh, yeah, Coach Izzo and the staff have done a great job there. And um, I was talking to him after the state title game. He said that following up from the game, uh, Coach Montgomery already called him to congratulate him, even though they saw him in person. Uh, Coach Izzo was supposed to get on the phone with him soon. Uh, he's a guy that just loves what he's seen from Michigan State on the fan base. And uh, I think that's a recruitment to watch very closely here as the next few months uh, go on. Excellent. So, yeah, that kind of finishes up what kind of I had for basketball. So, I guess, Justin, we'll kind of throw it up to the mailbag questions yeah. that uh, people have asked on, on the board or through Twitter or whatever medium yeah. that they reached out on. Yep, I will I will just run through some of the questions posted here on the Shaw Lane uh, VIP message board. For those of you that aren't familiar, that's basically where uh, myself, Corey, Steven, Sean, we all basically post all of our work. That's where we post anything that we hear. That's basically where all the real information goes. The stuff you see in our Twitters, that's really just a small percentage of what we do. So if you're not subscribed to the VIP board, uh, 24-7 Sports, definitely go do that. Um, but, yeah, so that's where I'm going to be reading some of these questions from. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, Corey, if you want to speak up on any of these, definitely feel free. But I'll just run through them pretty quickly. Most of them are pretty straightforward. Uh, first question is, interested to hear the buzz on early enrollees not named Kaitlin Hauser. Out of that group, who at this stage projects to be an early contributor? So, I guess for me, uh, a lot of the guys that are early enrolling are at positions where they might not have the most need necessarily. Um, like Alex Van Sumeren is a guy that I would definitely say has been generating positive buzz. He's a guy that um, has athleticism at um, that defensive tackle weight that is not common. He's a kid that I expect to have a very successful career here at Michigan State, but he's also at a position of defensive tackle where I went through an earlier name, just how loaded Michigan State is for this next year or two. Um, so that's kind of the common theme for a lot of the early enrollees. But I guess somebody I would say is Jack Nickel. Um, he had um, uh, just some minor uh, health stuff that he uh, was kind of taking it slow on um, a few weeks ago, but he's uh, live scrimmaging right now. He's, he's back to full strength. He um, is able to uh, get some snaps this year, in my opinion. He's a guy that comes in being able to block uh, as a tight end much better than most kids. Uh, that are freshmen and that blocking is what keeps most tight ends off the field early in their careers. And uh, I think he definitely blocks better than most of the tight ends on the roster right now. Um, maybe just Daniel Barker. Um, I haven't that dove into his blocking that much, but the Illinois transfer, um, in my opinion, he's probably tight end one. 
Malik Carr, if he starts to buy into blocking a little more, should be tight end too. But after that, I guess you're looking at Tyler Hunt um, and Jack Nickel kind of competing for that next spot. So I think uh, he's a guy that I guess would be my answer. Uh, Corey, I don't know if you have any other early and early that you kind of want to point out there. Yeah, I think the defensive backs will at least see the field, if nothing more, on special teams. Jaden Mangum and uh, Caleb Coley, those guys. I think are guys that maybe Dylan Tatum too, where they're just really good athletes. So yeah. you can get their feet wet on special teams and maybe they get a, a few snaps at DB if they uh, pick things up or they get a big lead in the game just to get their feet wet. But yeah. I, I would go with the defensive back for sure. Yeah. Caleb Coley is kind of that guy for us this year that Charles Brantley was the class before where we were kind of telling all of our subscribers that, doesn't matter where this kid is ranked. He's going to be very good. Um, you kind of saw uh, flashes from Charles Brantley as a freshman, um, even beyond just the interception against the Michigan game. So um, I think we're on a good trajectory to kind of be right about that prediction with Brantley. And uh, we'll see with Coley as well. He's a guy that had offers from Georgia and Clemson. Um, his Clemson offer came just about three weeks before he committed to Michigan State. So, like, these, that was obviously a legit offer at that point, not one of those cases where he slid down the board. Um, so, yeah, these these are some guys that definitely could play early on here. Um, let me see. Another question we have here. Uh, somebody asked Davion Prim as running back one. I think that's mostly sarcastic there, but uh, it, it does touch on a good point that we've heard that Davion Prim is a guy that, um, by all accounts, has been uh, doing very, very well. I know uh, when uh, Coach Piegler left uh, to go to Florida, one of the uh, final uh, points that he made to us was to watch out for Davion Prim. So when you kind of start to hear some things like this and uh, the coaching staff going out of their way to, to mention him as someone that's doing a great job, I think uh, you definitely are looking at a guy that might be able to surprise I don't know if he's going to be getting uh, many carries this year over Broussard and Berger, but this is a guy that maybe his stock is rising and he has a brighter future here than uh, maybe you might have thought by just looking at his recruiting ranking. So um, let's see. Somebody else is asking, who do you feel are the most important recruits for the 2023? In my opinion, it would be any offensive tackle that I kind of named earlier, uh, any offensive tackle I kind of listed in my article recently that looked at the Michigan State offensive line recruiting picture, a guy like Samson Okumola, a guy like Chase Basantis, like those are, those, uh, that group of guys, uh, I would say they need to land uh, some big time offensive tackles that can play in their first two years on campus. And uh, that was kind of what Michigan State didn't have in the previous regime. And you're going to feel it this year in the season. And I think if Michigan State can shore up the offensive tackle position, this recruiting class, you're not going to have many holes here in, in future years. Uh, Corey, I guess, do you have any uh, any names there? I, or I guess maybe just a position group like I kind of said. No, I, I agree with you. Offensive yeah. tackles. And then if we did defensive side, it'd be defensive ends. I think both right. of Agreed. those two positions are key. And I think Michigan State's in on really – good players. Uh, I guess we mentioned them earlier, but for people that aren't here, you got DePape already, who he's a kid that will play as a true freshman. He's physically ready to do that. Right. Uh, but, you know, at uh, Jaden Wayne, 
those are guys that would play. David Hicks, the number one guy in Texas. Uh, we haven't heard a ton with him yet, but I think that's a name to kind of uh, tuck in the memory bank, see if he comes right. up for a visit, because I don't think that recruitment is sold yet. So I think there's still a lot of openings there. Right. So, yeah, just, just the defensive ends and offensive tackles. Right. Um, so the next question is just a total guess, and I won't hold you to it. The final composite recruit ranking for the 2023 team rankings. What do you think it is? Uh, so this guy's asking about the team rankings. Um, so I, I want to say it's contingent on if Michigan State can land a guy like Samson Okamola because landing a five star really, really boosts uh, the calculation. Um, the 24-7 team rankings are kind of done in a way where the higher the kid is ranked in your class, the more weight he has in your rankings. So the kid that's at the top of your uh, school's recruiting class, he has the biggest multiplier attached to his value. So the number one kid, his ranking is multiplied by um, a multiple of one. The number two kid, uh, maybe 0.95. The number three kid, maybe 0.9. So just that's kind of the idea there of how those team rankings are calculated. So if your top kid is a five-star, as opposed to maybe the 88th ranked kid or the 150th ranked kid, it gives you a huge boost in how that goes. So I'll say if Michigan State can land Samson, Okamola, I think Michigan State can land a bottom top 10 class, maybe top 12. Um, yeah, I'll say if Michigan State can land Samson Okamola, they will land the 10th best class in the nation. Um, if not, then I think you're still looking at top 15. Justin, we're going to land two five stars. All right. Well, Brett, you land those two five stars, and I will say Michigan State lands the number five class at the lowest. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Um, the <laughs> next question is over under two and a half verbals between now and June. That's a good question. Uh, I would probably this say the beginning under. of June. The beginning of yes, June. Yes, or? yes, yes. I'm assuming it's it's before official visit start is the period. <laughs> as I say, after June, definitely over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, good, good call out there. Uh, uh, two and a half. Yeah. I, I, I say under. Yeah, me too. Just just because official visits are rolling around. Um, if official visits were still like four months away, I would say over, but they're two months away. And I think most of those kids will wait until June. I'll say Michigan State lands two. So the under, that's my prediction. Yeah. I, I could see Dellinger. He, he was talking about wanting to be before summer, the four-star offensive yes. lineman. And then I can uh, see somebody committing t- right after something the tells me Ryan Yates. Uh, I know he was talking about summer, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if, Maybe his spring game visit did it for him. Uh, right. I agree. Okay. So who do you see being the first five-star of the Mal Tucker era? And do you think it's in 2023 or 2024? Um, I will – just because 2024 is so far out in the future and you don't really know which five-stars are going to be looking, I'll say 2023 just to answer this in a more practical way. And, yeah, I, I do think Michigan State has a real good shot with Samson. Uh, I know Corey talks to him, and uh, that's a guy that he's really interested in Michigan State, and you're going to see that when he gives Michigan State one of his first uh, official visits, um, or at least one of the first ones he schedules. It might be he might choose it to be his last one, but 
it's um, a scenario where the kid also has already said he might not take all five of his. So if he's only taking a few of them and he's already for sure taking one to Michigan State, that tells you all you need to know about what he thinks of the program. Um, and like Corey mentioned, David Hicks is the guy that he hasn't really done a lot to inspire confidence that he's, he is seriously considering Michigan State. But um, as Corey will tell you, um, his trainer recently came up with Andrew Marsh. Uh, so um, he's probably going to be able to go back and report to David Hicks about what uh, Michigan State kind of has cooking, what the environment's like, what the staff is like, the dynamics. So I think there's – Jaden Wayne, too. Uh-huh. I believe he's a, yeah. a five-star close to it. That's true. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. He's number 30 in the nation. Yeah. So you have some of these guys where you're banking on them to take official visits and maybe start some momentum there. Com- uh, also combined with uh, Samson, who they already have a lot of good momentum with. So um, my prediction will be Samson and the 2023 class. But like always, uh, never know what can happen in uh, recruiting. Next question is, when can you expect basketball recruiting to heat up? So I guess basketball recruiting doesn't necessarily kind of heat up like football recruiting where you see like a run of commitments or um, like a two or three major recruiting uh, weeks, like maybe a spring game or, or anything like that. I think what you will see, though, is as the AEU circuit progresses this summer, you'll see more offers go out, uh, whether it's in 2023 or 2024. And as they try to expand the recruiting board a little bit, and I say a little bit because Michigan State doesn't have a huge recruiting board ever anyway. That's just not the way that Izzo does it. He wants it to mean something when you get an offer from Michigan State. So, uh, yeah, I will say the summer is when you'll see more activity, but I don't think it'll necessarily translate to a run of commitments just because that's not typically how basketball recruiting goes. Um, and and hopefully guys... he watches yep. spring football and notices the length of the arms of the players on the football team and transitions that into who he recruits <laughs> on the basketball court. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you could schedule non-conference games for the next few years, which teams would you like to see MSU play? I will let you guys go first here. I might have to do something. Actually, I have one, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. I would say an away game with the University of Texas. Uh, the way I kind of look at non-conference games is your opportunity to showcase your brand in a recruiting area you want to have success in. Um, Texas is a program that doesn't necessarily strike fear um, into opponents just yet. I think Michigan State would have um, a very good chance to go down there and beat Texas, um, at least this year, next year, whatever the time frame this theoretical situation would be looking at. If you're talking about maybe 2030, then I don't know, maybe Texas eventually could finally be back, but who knows? I doubt it. But um, I, I guess, yeah, that's kind of the way I approach this situation is if Michigan State could go down and beat the Texas Longhorns in Texas and they're like really trying to hit Texas hard, that could help the program a lot. Uh, what do you guys say? LSU, I guess. <laughs> just, I think it would be kind of cool to play a game down there in their stadium, just to check it out. And uh, again, Michigan State recruits a lot of guys there. They have a lot of coaches on staff with ties to Louisiana, so I, I think that'd be kind of cool. And I'm always up for uh, beating Brian Kelly. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brett. All right, I have three. I'm gonna I'm gonna save my favorite one for last. The first one I want. I am going to agree with Corey. I want to I want to home and home with LSU because it 
beating Brian Kelly is always fun. Plus, I want to go down to Death Valley. I think that would just be tremendous atmosphere and two phenomenal Jersey matchups, which is a bonus. The second one, I would have to say Ole Miss, just because I've heard that that is probably everyone's favorite tailgating campus in America. And Lane Kiffin, I, that would just be a week full of just content, which I which I need. And he, he's big on Twitter, so I think that we could have some fun with that. <clears throat> and then finally, I absolutely need this home and home more than I need anything in the world. I need Dabo Sweeney. I need him coming to East Lansing. Mm-hmm. I would schedule it for I, – I don't care when we play the game. I just need Dabo Sweeney. I need that home and home. The Dabo pack is going up the entire time. And it it would just be wonderful because I think that the Clemson uh, faux dynasty is crumbling before our eyes and it's a beautiful thing to witness. Um, So I would love to (laughs) Michigan State be the the team to finally just kind of put that to rest. Yeah, I I agree with you there. It will be fun to see. um, Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not professional for me to say it would be fun to see, but um, I will be watching closely as uh, Clemson uh, does not live up to their usual standard here in the next uh, couple of years. I do think that is going downhill and I will not be opposed to watching it go down that path. Um, Something to uh, monitor. Yes. Something to monitor. Indeed. Um, What have you heard about the new facilities um, so I guess I don't really have any specific uh, date on which day the shovel is finally going to break through the ground. But I think uh, what's kind of happening there is they're just trying to make sure that they do have uh, any like last donations that people want to make just so they have the most accurate um, budget count. So they know exactly what they're going to be able to accomplish there. They don't want to just prematurely start breaking ground um, and then get like some surplus of cash um, come in and then realize, hey, we could have done something bigger and better. So that's just kind of what they're feeling out right there and making sure that they have the most uh, maximized amount of budgeting that they possibly could have there. Um, uh, I, I think yeah. Brett knows. Uh, it's going to be in May, but I don't know yeah. the day. The, the, the shovel is hitting. That's Brett definitely knows that shovel day because i think he's taking first scoop out but uh right but it's definitely gonna be in may is what yep. i heard yeah and uh as brett tweeted when uh, he tweeted that picture of big bird sitting in the uh conference room uh seems like he's one of the bigger donors behind this uh revolution of uh rebuilding the michigan state uh facility so look forward to seeing what brett's money has bought and, uh, <laughs> and and the three or four uh, golf courses that'll be surrounding the building, and uh, that'll be that'll be fun to see. Yeah, I think that uh, that's going to be. I, in terms of just, I just want to comment real quick on the new facility. I think that's going to kind of be the 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 true marking of kind of the new era of Michigan State football. Obviously, we had kind of uh, last season win eleven games. The recruiting's kind of reached a level we've never seen before. But I really do think that once they break ground on the new facility, when uh, uh, they get out the gold shovel and kind of uh, go into the ground there. I think that that's really going to mark that, hey, Michigan State, this is a, a Tier 1 program. We're up there with Alabama, Georgia, uh, those programs. So I think that that's, that's going to be a really important date, and I think it's going to mean a lot for kind of every Spartan fan around. Brett, if you were in charge of designing the facility, what is one um, kind of, I guess, amenity that you would make sure that your football facility would have? Oh man, that's tough. I would probably say some type of 
either tunneling system, whether it's above mm. ground or underground, coming from 1855 and University Village to the facility, and maybe have it kind of like Somerset, if people in chat are familiar, where you have kind of the Okay, this is the only way I know how to describe it. Going from the rich side to the, to the poor side, where you have kind of the walkway, like the, the airport, you have one of those kind of transporting players from their apartments to the football complex, just so they don't have to deal with the weather. And I, that that would probably be the one thing I would make sure that is involved there. I agree. That is a that is a great metaphor. Going from the Macy side to the Salvatore Ferragamo side of Somerset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Corey, uh, any any amenity come to your mind? Uh, what what would you make sure your football facility had? Um, I think I'd go with maybe taking the Texas flag and tying in the Michigan State flag into it. Some Mel Tucker's uh, trying to stay claiming <laughs> the the state, the, so when they they come in, they know that uh, everything's bigger in East Lansing actually. Yeah, it'll it'll feel like home for that Texas pipeline that's that's starting up here soon. For me, it would probably be a Tim Hortons just because they got rid of every other Tim Hortons on campus. So I would have that be a loophole for me finally getting some good hot chocolate in East Lansing whenever I'm back. Harold's uh, chicken, Harold's chicken, in the and mm, the true. lobby area. That's true. Might need some Nashville hot chicken over there too. Um, but okay, so now we actually have. Um, Cedric Riesenau, who's the father of Kedrick, who is a four-star running back in Michigan State's class. Everybody knows. He uh, just joined the podium here as a speaker. So uh, thanks for joining us, Cedric. How are you doing today? Hey, what's up, Justin? How you doing? Man, you put oh. me on. You put me on You put me on the spot, man. I told you I was a little nervous, man. Corey, <laughs> see, what's up, man? Y'all doing all right? Yeah, I'm good, man. Yeah, good, yeah. Man. So... We were kind of just thinking, uh, nothing too deep, but like you have more insight about kind of how the staff is doing things and just how uh, the energy you feel when you're on campus. So um, I guess I'm just going to turn it over to you and just kind of describe when you stepped foot in East Lansing. Hold on. What did hey, you kind of take just, away you from could, that? Could in and out. Can you hear me? Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can hear okay. you. I didn't hear the question. Yeah. You're good. I was just saying, I'll turn it over to you so you can kind of go ahead and uh, just give us your main takeaways of what you saw and what you felt when you were in uh, East Lansing for the unofficial visit with your son this past January. Man, I'm going to tell you, uh, like the love up there, like you can't beat it. Like everything is genuine up there. Like, and that's what we look for. You know what I mean? And I'm going to be honest with y'all. When we first got the offer from this, I said, man, we're not going to like, that's way up there. And when we got <laughs> oh, my God, like, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. I came back. I told my family. And then I brought my uncle up there. Like, he seen it. Like, he don't want to go nowhere else but Michigan State. You can't tell him anything. Like, <laughs> it's just the vibes up there. Like, it can't be it can't be matched. You know what I mean? For us, like, I feel like it's a great fit for us. And Chief, man, right. I just want to tell you, you do a hell of a job. I can't even like anything, like any likes on Michigan State because now my whole timeline is full of Michigan State. I'm like, man, this shit is crazy. So <laughs> the Twitter community, the Twitter family, man, it's, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, y'all are – I'm down here in Texas. Like, y'all are doing a hell of a job, like a hell of a job. As far as the coaching staff and everything, man, I, I think all those guys are great, you know, uh, I'm a real big Pig fan. Like I love Pig. That's still my guy. Uh, 
but I love Reed even more. You know what I mean? So right. it's just I don't know. I think it's it's a great great fit, you know, for uh, and man, I just can't wait to get up there. You know what I mean? I can't wait. Yeah. We'll be back yep, up there. Yep. Uh spring game. We're coming up there. The spring game. We're coming up there. So I mean, I'm excited. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I know you were uh, finalizing those plans today, and so are a lot of recruits and their families, and it, it's going to be a big weekend. Um, we're all going to be over there covering that event. It's going to be uh, a massive visitors list, probably bigger than any that Michigan State fans have seen for that game. And the fact that you guys are coming back um, kind of on your own dime here, despite already coming here in January, and being able to come on an official this summer, that just kind of shows – uh, the fans here, like, like this is just one family, obviously, but they're not the only ones like this, where they're just making their way to East Lansing every chance they get, because the energy is just like that, and these guys want to see, uh, they want to experience it every chance they get, but um, I guess, Cedric, I don't know if you have anything else you want to pass along, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, yeah, hopefully enjoy your visit back up to East Lansing uh, here in April, and then when you guys come in the summer, and uh, we'll we'll stay in touch. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, Corey, Justin, Spartan Dog family, man, y'all have a great night. Yes, sir. You too. Appreciate See it. <laughs> so, Brett, I don't know if we have anything else, um, any other topics you want to touch on, but I think uh, we can wrap it up here pretty soon. Yeah, I think we can wrap it up. I just want to thank everybody for joining this space tonight. Um, Justin and Corey, especially, bring in your uh, insight. It's like talking to two football and just Michigan State Oracles, and that is always a pleasure. <laughs> so um, I know as we kind of we've kind of come out of a period where um, recruiting's been slow, just because it's been yeah. quote unquote dead period. But as we kind of ramp up, we'll, we'll get some more of these Twitter spaces going. And I'd say in terms of people's expectations of actually getting commits and whatnot, I would say uh, be patient, which is not what anybody wants to hear. But I mean, coming up, we've got the spring game. That's gonna be like the guy said that's going to be an absolutely massive event. There's going to be a visitor list that rivals the Met Gala. So I think everybody should be very <laughs> excited about that. And uh, especially coming up with June, uh, the official visits, I think that that's when things are really going to speed up. And I think that people are going to be very excited with the results. And I think that the expectation is now to get in that top five, I think top five class. That's, that's yep. the goal. So Listen, that, that, if, and if, I'll if, add another thing too for for everybody while we're here too is that uh, you guys are making a huge impact. Uh, I talked to Madden Sinker today about how much he loves the fan base and the energy you guys have. Uh, uh, Okanula said the same thing. Uh, Ryan Yates, yeah, Ryan uh, Yates uh, I know mentions... he's been telling uh, Justin yeah. about it. So I mean, you guys do make an impact with those likes and retweets and the the gifts and everything. Uh, <laughs> So definitely yeah. keep up uh, the work and try and uh, keep up with Brett too. Yeah, yeah. If if anybody can land a top five class, it is Brett and MSU Twitter. So uh, appreciate all the work you do, Brett, keeping the fan base energized. Um, helps uh, us put out content that we know will be appreciated as a result. And uh, obviously you do a phenomenal job. I'm sure everyone in here follows you. Uh, if they do not for some reason, uh, make sure you fix that. And uh that about does it for this space. Uh, make sure you guys check out the work that myself, Corey, Steven, and Sean do over at 24-7 Sports. 
like I said earlier, subscribe if you really want the work that we do. Um, this Twitter uh, content we put out um, only goes uh, so far. That is not what most of our work is consisting of. So definitely check us out there. And uh, thanks for joining, guys. And we'll do one of these at the latest right after the spring game, but maybe one in between as well. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Go green. Go white.